Welcome back to yet another episode of the Panel Scanners. Uh, folks, this evening we're going to take a couple of looks at a couple of different things here. You're going to hear us talk about some of our favorite martial arts actors. We're going to review some of our recent readings with Stick, Stuck, Pick, Sayonara, and Darren is going to give us a retroactive review of Master of Kung Fu. But first, as I mentioned before, gentlemen, last episode we took a look at some of our favorite martial arts films of all time. Today, we're going to go ahead and do the equally difficult task of narrowing down some of the best actors that appeared in some of those martial arts films. As I stated before, when we were talking about it. Martial arts is cinematic. It is beautiful. It lends itself to choreography the way that dance might. Uh, so we're going to take a look at some of the men and women who have made this art form memorable and have created movies in our minds that we just couldn't live without. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and get us started. What we're going to do is similar to what we did last time, which is we're going to name a couple of honorable mentions. We're going to wait, and then we're going to talk about who our favorite top pick is. As was kind of cool last time, we had a couple of crossovers, but now we're going to be possibly looking at uh, you know, some very independent. The way that we approach this is very unique and very interesting, so I'm really excited to hear this. Um, I'm going to not list any other honorable mentions than the two that I had in my top list. I mean... It's really going to be hard for me to not pick this person as one of my top three individuals, and that's going to be Keanu Reeves. I know he doesn't strike you as necessarily a martial arts actor, but again, you got to remember that he was the person who built the Matrix franchise with his acting. And after all, he did inform us that he did know Kung Fu in that movie. Uh, additionally, he also introduced us to Gun Fu, which is going to be his character, John Wick, which was an amazingly captivating film that I don't think any of us expected to be as good as it actually was. So one of my honorable mentions will be Keanu Reeves. The other one is going to be Donnie Yen. Now, is anybody in this room familiar with who Donnie Yen is? Of Fantastic. Absolutely. I just wanted to make sure. Um, if, folks, if you're listening home, you're not familiar with who he is. He is Ip Man. Ip Man is based, of course, on the person who taught Bruce Lee how to fight. He also appeared in Rogue One as the character Chirrut Mwe. Um, Donnie Yen is an amazing martial artist uh, who, and if you haven't seen his movie, if you haven't seen Ip Man, first off, stop what you're doing right now. Come back to this episode later. Watch Ip Man. It's available for you on Netflix. You must, must, must watch this film. Uh, it is a beautiful film. The fighting in it is absolutely fantastic. You've got, uh, uh, there's some historical context to it as, as World War One is the, ba or World War II is the backdrop of what's going on, or at least Japanese imperialism in China is the backdrop for it. It's an amazing film. Uh, but Donnie Yen is going to be my last of my honorable mentions. Um, moving forward, uh, Darren. My two honorable mentions, all right, I have Michelle Yeoh. Uh, is there a more versatile performer in the martial arts realm than her? Because she seems to be able to transition in and out of the martial arts. And in fact, she is one of the more interesting characters in new Star Trek that's going around um, as Captain Giorgio. And my number two, God, this was so hard. And I, when I say my number two, it's going to be so obvious who my number one is. But by the way, I was surprised that uh, you didn't have this. I thought we'd all have Jeff Speakman as our number one. I figured there would be no drama to this, but who, who's to know? Um, my number two is Bruce Lee. And how could he not be in everyone's top three? The guy, the guy has not existed on this earth at the same time as, as any of us. And he is still a legend like everyone knows who bruce lee is 
I mean, and this is 48 years after the man uh, left this earth. There isn't a whole lot that needs to be said about Bruce Lee. I'll just leave it at that. Gary? Me. Alrighty. Um, well, as I mentioned uh, in the previous episode about my favorite martial arts movie being Bloodsport, it was a vehicle for my number three, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Um, ranging back to No Retreat, No Surrender, where he played the villain, the Russian. Um, Bloodsport, of course. Kickboxer, Lionheart, Death Warrant, Double Impact, Universal Soldier, a number of other films to recently the expendables, things like that. Um, I just love watching the man do his thing, whether he's doing the splits between two semis or just on the couch. It's always entertaining. My number. Okay. I'm going to need you guys to pause the recording here. This is actually my number two, but in fear of re, uh, being attacked, I'm going to say it's my number one. Because I don't want him to hear this. and Okay. So my number one <clears throat> is Chuck Norris. Um, underneath the man's beard is not a chin, but another fist. The boogeyman checks under his bed for Chuck Norris. <laughs> Chuck Norris is an institution. He is... <sighs> he is... He is Chuck Norris. Everyone knows who Chuck Norris is. The man has posters to this day that speak of his his marvels um he, he is he is el hombre so my number two i mean number one <clears throat> was chuck norris phil yeah so um i did okay so my number three was just because it was very much when i was getting into kung fu and all the movies coming out was this man who is Jet Li. Um, I had went through a long span of enjoying Jet Li movies, you know, like The One, Fearless, Romeo Must Die, no matter how ridiculous that film is. Um, I don't know, Jet Li just always did something for me. And it was that perfect time of like, early mid 90s, early 2000s, you really picked up his, his pace. And I mean, Jet Li just fit that, um, that role for me. Uh, my second runner-up is the same as Darren's, actually. It's Bruce Lee. Uh, again, I think it's a shame if Bruce Lee doesn't somehow hit your guys' list. So I hope I'm hearing some number ones from that man. Uh, so I won't speak too much on him just in case that is the case. But like I said, when I think martial arts, um, regardless of the amount of interaction I've had with him, uh, Bruce Lee is, is literally the first person that pops into my mind. All right, Darren, what you got? For my number one... I think it's obvious. Right? Anyone want to take a stab at this? Uh, completely out of the Team blue might be guess. The one for everybody. It's got to be Adam Jack. West. Oh, <laughs> why didn't I think of that? Bat Fu. Dang it. Shaquille O'Neal, of course. Shaq Fu. <laughs> Shaq Fu. By the way, I was uh, watching but Inside the NBA. I was watching Inside the NBA and my son goes, Who's that? I'm like, That's Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille Oatmeal? Um, is what he calls him now. But anyway, it's Jackie Chan is my number one. Jackie Chan is the absolute... What? I don't even know where to start with Jackie Chan. You are at... You are obviously, simultaneously, 
laughing and in complete and total awe of what is going on in front of your eyes and knowing every frame every second is authentic it is not a special effect it is a if it's a stunt it's him he is no one gave more of himself to his art form than Jackie Chan no one breaks through glass like Jackie Chan. No one throws a punch like Jackie Chan. No one takes a punch or a kick like Jackie Chan. No one leaps off a building onto a fire escape like Jackie Chan. The, the, the list of accolades and O-S-H-I-T moments will never cease to amaze me. He is not just my favorite martial arts actor. He's one of my favorite actors, period. I can watch a Jackie Chan movie with a smile on my face. And there's so many of them that I can't wait for to watch with CJ because he's going to lose his mind when he sees this. He's just got to... But knowing him, though, I'm going to have to follow him around for like three weeks, making sure he's not leaping off of things, trying to emulate Jackie Chan. So it's going to be a while before I show him a Jackie Chan movie. But, I mean, I'll save some room for you guys. Proceed. Yeah, mine is also Jackie Chan. I mean, it was it was really not a difficult uh, decision to make on this one at all. I think we talked about it in the last episode. I think Phil and I both shared a, uh, a fond uh, rumble in the Bronx memory in the theater. Uh, and I agree with you guys. You got, nobody's made a bad pick here at all. I mean, I think Michelle Yao was an inspired pick. She certainly was near the top of mine. So is Zhang Ziyi, which we talked about in the last episode, to both uh, uh, stars of uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Um, Jet Li obviously was an amazing, you know, you mentioned Romeo Must Die. There was also The Mask, which I don't, I know we watched right. probably. I mean, these are amazing films that we definitely watched growing up. But Jackie Chan, I mean, he really did come through and, and create like almost a whole genre himself because yeah, it was Kung Fu. Yeah, the artistry was there, but there was that comedic timing and it's really good. Like I went back in preparation for this. I went back and watched the original Drunken Master, which came out in 1978. I'm sorry, like, it is hokey. It's it's it, but it's hokey the way like a lot of movies from the seventies feel like us today with our twenty first century uh, sensibilities. Um, but in all seriousness, like his comic timing is really really on point. And then, uh, Darren, you nailed it. I mean, like his nothing is fake with him. There's that scene with about thirty minutes left to go in Drunken Master where he is training and learning the Drunken Master, uh, all the Drunken Master's moves and stuff like that. And it is, I mean, it's art. There's no two ways about it. it. It's simple. It's just him and a camera, and it's him in a field basically practicing all these things. And some of the things that he does with his body, it's it's insane what he is able to do. And to know that he is doing it himself without a stunt person, to know that he's doing it with no visual effects at all. I mean, it is just a camera pointer on him doing these things. I mean, I can't, I can't think of anybody else. I mean, and that's no disrespect to Bruce Lee, who I did not name in my honorable mentions or in my number one. Uh, Jackie Chan, to me, though, he just he embodies martial arts, especially modern martial arts movies. So that's going to also be my number one. And I feel like we might all be saying the same thing. Gary. My number one, uh, born in 1946 in Canton, China, Yang Si. Um, he was Mr. Hong Kong bodybuilding champion in 1967. He has 112 acting credits and only four of those. Was he not portrayed as a villain? Oh. 
He had over a 700-pound deadlift, yet his preferred martial art is Tai Chi. He uh, was a student of Bruce Lee and made appearance in, uh, I think it was Enter the Dragon, where he uh, was portrayed as a character named Bolo, at which point he adopted the stage name of Bolo Young. Uh, mm. I, I first came to see him in uh, the movie Bloodsport. Terrifying individual. Yes. <laughs> um, normally in, in martial arts, they, they always explain about how, you know, the best way to win a fight is to avoid a fight. And yet most of these martial artists are these tiny little men that you feel you could easily take before you find out they know martial arts. Uh, not in Bolo's case. This man was... He looked like he was drawn... Well, no, I'm, I, I, I was, now I'm drawing a blank. Um, help me out here, Deadpool artist. Uh, Rob Liefeld. Oh. He looked like he was a Rob Liefeld drawing. Lots as of houses. The huge pecs. I mean, this dude was just massive. Like, you see this guy, and you're going to avoid a fight because you don't want to mess with this dude. Anyway, so that was probably the, the big lure. I mean, he was known as the, let's see, what, uh, Chinese Hercules, I think, was one of his nicknames. Anyway, um, so that's my number one. Bolo Young, um, again, only appeared as a, as a hero of a movie four times. And that was Shoot Fighter, Shoot Fighter 2, TC2000, and Fearless Tiger. And those were well into the 90s. Um, I wanted to be this man. <laughs> oh, man. Not realizing that he had a world-class physique. It just... He was something that I had never seen before in this genre of films, and he had me at hello. Or, in his case, Brick, don't hit back. So. That's the one oh, problem. Yang that's, that's the one problem with Bloodsport, because you watch that, and you're like, there's no way Jean-Claude Van Damme beats this man. Right, right. He's shattering, like, huge chunks of ice, you know? It, like, he's just pulverizing this stuff yeah and, you know a little he, he act a little dirty there with the uh, salt tablets but you know it's probably for more for the movie than anything else chong lee chong lee chong lee had the crowd going and everything it was great phil yeah it's the bummer about going last right because people talk about a lot of the things you already want to sometimes and i didn't really want to step on toes here but 75 percent of us can't be wrong my pick is Jackie Chan. Uh, should make sense. I spoke pretty highly of Jackie Chan earlier in the month and made a little bit of a reference that I would most likely be speaking on him later. And since he didn't fall in my honorable mentions, the thinking man would have figured out that he would be my number one. Uh, I mean, Jackie Chan was my Bruce Lee, right? Like, that's who I grew up with. That was my introduction to Kung Fu and martial arts films. And you're right, like, the comedy aspect of it, like, him punching something and how quickly he would like shake his hand and it was just like perfectly funny and perfectly timed or he would like do the splits and he'd grab his crotch like oh no it hurt uh i mean it, it's those little things that he did and like i remember learning as a relatively young person that he did all that himself and i was like wait this isn't a stunt man this dude is going out there and like back flipping off of walls i remember on like the vhs's at the end they would show like his like bloopers of him messing up his stunts and it was just him like walking away and laughing 
and you guys are right. Nobody can break a window like Jackie Chan. Like it just, the man, the man is phenomenal and his work speaks for itself. And yes, some of it is not aged as well. Like don't go back and watch rush hour. There's some very questionable choices in those films, but if you see like rumble in the Bronx or again, I want to rewatch drunken master. Uh, I, he's just like, there's so much good there. And if for some reason and somehow you are listening to this, you've not seen Jackie Chan, which just sounds like an insane statement. Pick one of the movies we've talked about specifically and, and give it a go because you won't be let down. If you like good action, you like it to chuckle a little bit in the middle of a fight, Jackie Chan will bring it. Rush Hour. Not Rush Hour. Okay. Yeah, but Rush, Rush Hour does have Shang Ziyi. And I can watch that movie just to look at her. Or Xi Zhang. I don't know how. It's, I've heard it both ways. You know what? The first Rush Hour is fine. It's just... It's, it's oh! What, what, it's oh! Tucker part. Wait a minute. What, why can't I think of the movie? The one he did with the, the Western he did with... Uh, what's his face? Shanghai Noon. Yeah, that is Shanghai awesome! <laughs> that is awesome! How do you not remember that? Uh, oh pun? my god. <laughs> I can't believe we haven't talked about that. That is one of the best movies ever. Oh, that was so good. Why did my brain blank that out? <laughs> that is an outstanding movie. Well, I think they did another one in England afterwards called Shanghai Nights. Didn't yeah. They? But Nights oh, was my God, they did. Night. Yeah, it was yeah. okay. But Shanghai Noon was inspired. And that is not like sarcasm. How? It was awesome. Man, that was the 90s, right? Like, the best time for movies. Like, I think it was the early then. 2000s because that would have been Owen no Wilson. No way. I mean, that was, it was Owen Wilson. It had to be. But that's just it. So Rumble in the Bronx was, uh, what was that, 94 or 95. 96? Which 95. one was it? 96, right? 95, you said? So yeah, you got to figure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those movies would have come shortly afterwards. I mean, uh, Legends of the Drunken Master was '94. Drunken Master was. I mean, I, some of these. I mean, he obviously was. He's very prolific, for sure. But in terms of his mass appeal to the to the American audience, I think he really hit his stride in the mid '90s. Jackie so, Chan's yeah, first strike is also great. Right. Shanghai Noon was 2000. Shanghai Nights was 2003. So, yes, early 2000s. <sighs> Shame. Do you remember what his character name was in uh, Shanghai Noon? I don't. I don't. John Wayne. You know, that 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 feels right. That feels right. God, you're a mean drunk, that. John. <laughs> hey, sidebar, do any of you guys know who uh, Ernesto De La Cruz is? That name sounds familiar. Uh, Filipino martial arts actor went by the name Wang Wang. W E N G. He was two foot nine. Starred in such films as Agent Double O and For Your Height Only. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about some some unbelievable stunts? You know, like this guy would like jump off of like a wall onto like two full grown men spin them around and kick another guy. Now he couldn't have weighed more than like 40 pounds. You know, I don't see him like taking out three guys entertaining a little bit of a sideshow, but I mean, the guy knew his stuff. That sounds very neat. Had height limitations. That's... <laughs> I, think. I, feel, I feel like he found that in a special place on the internet, Gary. That... <laughs> the dark web. <laughs> oh yeah. 
<laughs> no, he uh, he passed away in '92. I mean, he was only like 34 years old when oh. he passed. But yeah. I'm so no, glad we made jokes before you told us that. So awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's up. why I did it that way. Yeah. No. <sighs> All right, man. That was awesome. Let's let, let's take a quick breather. We I think we need a breather before we talk more martial arts, right? <laughs> No, yeah, let's do it. no, uh, yeah. All right. So you know what? Why don't we? Why don't we talk a little bit of comic books? Comic what a books? novel idea! Huh? Great comic book podcast. We well, it's evolved, but yes, that is the foundational aspect. And this is, I think, one of our absolute oldest segments, which is stick stuck pick Sayonara or SSPS. Uh, quick rundown. Books that we are sticking with are things that, you know, they're fine. There's something that's keeping us there, but maybe not for much longer. Books we're stuck on are awesome, but just not the best thing we read that in the last, like, batch of things we've read. Picks are our one and only absolute favorite from since the last time we did one of these lists. And sayonars are things that we have said goodbye to due to cancellation, series ending, or sweet lord, please don't make me read this anymore. So I'm going to kick it off with my very quick stick list. Uh, I've always been the one to have the most comics, but uh, I've actually been I've been cutting it back after I dropped all my X-Men titles. I think the last time we did this. So my sticks might be a little surprising to this group. Uh, first is Amazing Spider-Man. Last arc, just not doing it for me. Spider-Gwen, Gwenverse. There are only so many multiverses. And Miles Morales, Spider-Man. Notice that all my sticks are Spider-Man related. Mm. Getting a little nervous. It's not keeping me really tied in as much. But uh, yeah, those are all my sticks. Darren. I'm sticking with The Nice House on the Lake from DC's Black Label, James Tinian, Alvaro Martinez Bueno, and Radiant Black from Image Comics, Kyle Higgins, Megan Camerana, and French Carmelango. Gary? That sounds delicious. French caramel. Okay. Anyway, my stick list, um, and since I don't know when the next one of these is going to be, I'm going to throw this on here now. Uh, there's a issue, uh, a title called Twig coming out. And I'm going to give that a shot. Uh, Sabretooth by Marvel. I uh, love the character. I There's too much X stuff that's gone on in the background that I just don't know. So it's kind of hard to just pick this up when it's already running. Uh, Patch just came out. It's a Wolverine-ish title. Uh, issue one of that just came out. I'll see how that goes. Uh, my Transformers Monthly series and the Transformers Wars End is on my stick list because IDW is losing the Transformers license at the end of this year. So um, I'll stick with it until it's done. Uh, Parasomnia. And Basilisk, which are both Cullen Bunn books. Um, Deathstroke, Inc. That was another uh, character I liked by DC. Uh, don't know if I really care to follow it. Again, like the character, too much going on that I don't know the background on. Uh, Lady Mechanica has turned back into a monthly or a re repetitive series. I think we're on issue three of that. I'll see how that goes. Enjoyable so far. And Step by Bloody Step is an issue, too. Um, love the way it looks. No dialogue. I don't know if I really know what's going on yet. 
we can talk a little bit about that. And also, if you need a primer on the X-Men backstory to enjoy Sabretooth, give me a call. I'll, I'll catch you up. Because right. I read everything up to pretty recent stuff. Oh, all right. Matthew. All right. I'm, uh, you're going to hear me say a lot more comic books than I think you guys might be accustomed to because uh, I am sticking with uh, a couple from Marvel. I've got Darth Vader, which I picked up during the uh, War of the Bounty Hunters. Uh, arc that is 37 issues long and it was one of the few comic I know I know it's it was a behemoth but I did it I, I did read it is it good <laughs> it, was, it was good okay. uh yeah I, I kind of want to go back and reread it I think I may have read it not necessarily in the wrong order it was the order that was advised but I, I think I might actually want to go back and just read each title instead of necessarily trying to piece it all together um, but there are some really nice one-offs, like learning a little bit about IG-88. That's not what I'm talking about here. Um, but I stuck with Darth Vader. So um, that was one of the few titles out of that run that I decided to continue reading uh, because it crossed over with my next pick, which is Crimson Rain, which uh, is something that came about because of the War of the Bounty Hunters. So uh, if you guys are familiar, obviously, with the Han Solo film, it was the rise of that character at the end. So following her and her rise and, and Crimson Dawn. I'm sticking with that. Uh, I'm reading uh, Silver Surfer Rebirth, uh, which is a short run out of Marvel Comics as well. Um, I, it's it's okay. It, you know, I'm having a little bit of trouble with it, um, but I, I did sit down and reread uh, some of them, so uh, they're doing okay here. And then um, I'm back into uh, Maniac in New York, so I'm getting started on Bronx's Burning, so I'm going to stick with that one as well. Yeah, definitely let me know how that plays out because I've been interested in reading it, but I've delayed myself. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about some stuck. Phil. Yeah, let's get into the stuck. I'm stuck on Step by Bloody Step that uh, Gary actually mentioned very briefly. Um, you know, Gary, it slid from my stick to my stuck, and I will tell you exactly why. As Gary mentioned, there is no dialogue, but it is beautiful. I have a lot of questions and the fact that I want those questions answered and I can't like, I don't think I can move on from this book without getting those questions answered makes it in the stuck pile. It okay. is beautiful. And I know um, Simon Spurrier, who is the writer without dialogue, of course, but obviously setting up the story, um, man, he has not let me down with long form storytelling. And this is only five issues, I believe. So it's worth sticking like, Sticking with it until the end. Uh, next up, uh, Righteous Thirst for Vengeance. Rick Remender's newest go um, about a guy who, funny that we mentioned the dark web just a little bit ago, uh, basically finds out about some stuff going on in the dark web. Boy, is it good. Boy, is it good. There's a lot going on, and he keeps getting himself into more garbage. Um, I'm stuck on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's just lived here for an eternity, so no need to talk about that. Monstrous this arc is just tying a lot together. I, I'm getting a feel we're getting close to the end. Um, if you haven't given this a go and you're into like high fantasy, you need to. I know Gary is reading it as well. Uh, or get trying to get caught up at least. Yeah, I'm yeah. collecting it. <laughs> right. Um, backlog. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's got some meat to it. Uh, next up is Savage Spider-Man, which is actually a continuation of the book that I love, Nonstop Spider-Man. Um, it's just high pace and goofy and, and, and dark and weird. And it just fits this weird era. I didn't think that I would like, uh, strange Academy is in its second to last issue. I'm stuck on it until it wraps. 
uh, Scotty Young book about a wizarding school, well, Doctor Strange school at least. There's been really cool ideas there. Uh, Dormammu's like offspring is one of the main characters. It's kind of cool. Uh, stuck on Daredevil slash Devil's Reign slash Daredevil's Woman Without Fear. Uh, all Chip Zdarsky. I've spoken heavily about this, so I will let it be. I'm stuck on Strange, which is Doctor Strange's book right now. Um, if you have been following Marvel at all, you know that Stephen Strange is dead. Uh, and Cleo has taken on the Sorcerer Supreme uh, cloak, and she is running things. Miss Cleo? Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, okay, Oblivion Song I'm stuck on. There's, like, one more issue, I think. Uh, the Robert Kirkman book that is, like, a weird fantasy thing. The art's kind of strange, but I've been along for 30-some issues. May as well finish it. Deadly Class is on my stuck list. Uh, we are down to the last three issues, oh, I think. wow. Guys, like, I've stood in Carolyn John's. They just did a reprint of the, you know, Darren, when I got into it, I got that huge hardbound of the, the first collection. And they have reprints of volume two and volume three of the big hardbounds. Mm -hmm. And I've seriously considered buying them and, like, getting rid of my paper, my actual, like, normal issues. Just because, like, this is one of those things that it's never going to want to leave my collection. You guys know, Deadly Class is near and dear to my heart. Oh, yeah. I was there um, when you got it. Yeah uh more imagey things uh stuck on crossover uh, a world in which characters from comic books bleed into our modern world and for some reason some of these characters are killing their own creators really weird meta thing written by donnie cates who i used to swell about with his writing of venom it's a fun ride if you really get into the comic books and the writing of. I'm still stuck on Firepower. It just came back. I have not read the most recent issue, but I've obviously hung around long enough for it to be on this list. And lastly, I'm stuck on the scumbag, but I will let Gary talk about that because I'm sure he will. Darren? I'm stuck on Stranger Things, Russian subtitle. Dark Horse, Michael Morrissey, and Todor Hristov. I'm stuck on Adventure Man, Image Comics, Matt Fraction, Terry, and Rachel Dodson. King Conan from Marvel, Jason Aaron, and Mamad Asrar. Batman the Night, DC, Chip Zdarsky, Carmine D. Giandimencio. Stuck on The Dark Knights of Steel, DC, Tom Taylor, Yasmin Putri. Stuck on Human Target, DC, Black Label, Tom King, Greg Smallwood. Stuck on Batman 89, Superman 78, final. I'll press on with this sketch. Superman scored all 78 of Superman's points on 39 of 39 shooting. He did not attempt a three. Superman was giving virtually no help from teammates Daniel Gibson, Larry Hughes, Drew Gooden, Damon Jones, or Eric Snow. Batman, however, filled up a box score as usual, scoring 46 points on 23 of 27 shooting, 21 rebounds, 19 assists, 12 blocks, and 7 steals. Batman also displayed his unparalleled floor general status by goading Superman's teammates into committing 113 technical fouls in a game that took two and a half days to play. After the game, Superman stated, F that guy. Just F him, man. It was a war of attrition, and we got attrished. Batman did not meet with the media, but teammate Kenny the Jetsmith stated that he was continually in awe of the Dark Knight's ability. Mario Ellie stated he just makes everyone better around him. One humorous moment in the game occurred when Superman had cut the lead to six, 
when Batman managed to hit a no-look pass to Robert Ory, who converted a deep three-pointer as Batman ran down the floor, staring at Superman, yelling, I guess some days you can get rid of a bomb. He then proceeded to literally tug on Superman's cape, for which he did receive his only foul of the game. Batman, 70, Batman 89, Superman 78 final. Garrett? Here we go. I get it. I finally get it. Okay. I'm like, what the hell's going on? And then I realized, okay, 78, 78. Okay, I get it. All right. All right. My stuck. Uh, this list is getting shorter. I think I, a lot of things are ending. Um, I'm stuck on Monstrous, as Phil mentioned before. They honestly could just put out uh, an issue of, like, just Micah in the kitchen for, like, 18 pages, and I'd still pick it up. It, it's... I don't even care what they do inside the book now. It's it's just it's it's earned it. Um, the scumbag is on my stuck list. Um, it, it's getting a little out there. I mean, still entertaining as as all hell. It's just getting a little confusing. Uh, Noctera. Normally, my uh, my pick of the month has been supplanted. Um, stuck on Knights of the Golden Sun. That is back off of hiatus. Um, the the first uh, seal has been broken, and the Riders of the Apocalypse are on their way. Um, stuck on Dark Knights of Steel. And I'm also stuck on Kanto, which just finished up Lion and Hearted. And I believe they're on hiatus. Otherwise, I think there might be another one, one shot coming out soon. That is my stuck list. Excellent. My stuck list is not going to actually be comic book related. I'll get to that on the next go round. I'm actually going to talk about a couple of shows that I've been watching recently that I'm pretty stuck on. Uh, gentlemen, you might actually be watching some of these shows too. I can't say for certain. Um, Moon Knight. Anybody watching it yet? Don't I've you dare. First episode. I haven't had a chance. Yeah, Don't I haven't had a chance to watch it. Well, it's very, very good. Uh, it, it's slow pacing, which you come to expect a little bit with some Disney loose shows um especially in the first couple episodes they sort of uh they enjoy like being very deliberate in the first couple episodes only to pick up the pace almost too quickly kind of maybe in the middle of the run um but i'm enjoying the pacing of it now i'm obviously enjoying the acting i mean it, it's got some top-notch people in it who have been very very entertaining the other one was actually a surprise uh so one of the people at work recommended that i watch halo on paramount blues uh and that is also really good have you guys watched this at all halo i've not it is, it's, I've really, really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. When they revealed, I, I probably could say the name. I don't want to ruin it for anybody because it was a nice moment when I realized who it was that was playing the character Master Chief. I'm not familiar with the video game as much. Uh, I didn't play it at all, at all or anything like that. I know it's pretty ubiquitous. It's been around for a little while now. But um, but no, those are two shows that I really enjoyed and I get very excited. And, uh, you know, I watch them when they release pretty much on the day of if I can. Uh, and then I'm excited for when they get released again the following week. So those are two shows that I'm 100% stuck on. So uh, check them out. It's that time, huh? It's that time, Phil. It's the pick time. All right. I'm super excited because this is a book that has been on hiatus forever. Saga has returned. Uh, if you've not read Saga, stop. Now, go. Get trades. 50 issues. Get caught up. Read the new ones. Well worth it. Absolute great storytelling. Now, if you're not an adult, stay far, far away from these. There are adult body parts and adult language throughout. Um, however, some of the best storytelling that you will get. Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona uh, Staples, like, just, just, have any of you guys interacted with it at all on this? Yeah, I've got, like, the first 
five or six trade paperbacks. I'm, I'm through, I think like maybe four or five on it. I kind of, I, I lost some steam. I need to get into it again. All right. So you actually live close enough to me, Matt, that I might be dropping off the other five trades that are out. Um, just so you can get caught up and I'll give you the newest issues because you need to read it. It's that good. Uh, it's days to return every, every <laughs> issue, every, every issue feels like a little novel. It's fantastic. Seriously. One of those things I, I read them all as trades late. Um, I actually read them during the pandemic when we couldn't go anywhere and I just got them all through the internet. Uh, I argued with myself for a long time if I wanted to go issue to issue and I couldn't fight it. Um, that, that's just, that says something about it. And the fact that it's back and it is as good, if not even better than it was when we left, uh, my pick might be pretty easy for the next however long this runs. So absolutely, unequivocally, my pick is Saga. Darren? I don't think there's going to be any surprise when I say my pick is Once in Future. Boom Studios, Karen Gillan and Dan Mora. I've spoken so often about this title. I don't want to give anything away because I know uh, at least two members of our team have picked this up and have started reading it and are a little bit behind, so I'm going to leave it right there. Um, but it is the only time it's not been my pick of the month and it was when it was on hiatus. All right. My pick, and this is a new one for me, uh, Moon Knight by Marvel. Um, when I finished Black Knight, I was looking for something similar and Moonlight's, Moon Knight started his own monthly series again. Um, recently, there was a Devil's Reign crossover, uh, one shot, where... Moon Knight was in prison, essentially. And when you take someone who loves beating up bad guys and force him to stay somewhere where he's surrounded by nothing but bad guys, he gets to have a little fun. He actually gets entered into a, I guess, guard-run fight club of sorts. And so the issue is basically just him working his way through the ranks up to, you know, the champion. And as it turns out, you know, the champion is actually... The, the target of a client of his. And then, you know, he had the ability to break out of this prison anytime he wanted, much like most of the heroes there. But anyway, it was, it was just a fascinating read. Um, and the ongoing monthly series is, is very entertaining as well. Like I said, there's just something about those type of characters that draw me like a moth to a flame for some reason. So that is my pick for this month. Moon Knight. Good. Um, my pick for this month, uh, Darren already mentioned, but I just, I mean, in all seriousness, I read it literally the night I get it, and then I can't wait for it to come out uh, again. It's going to be Batman the Night. Uh, so that's by DC Comics. Uh, Chip Zdarsky and artist Carmine D. And I'm just trying to read this one. Gian Domenico. Does that sound about right? Yep. Yeah, about as smooth as I'm going to get it. Um, it's excellent. It's uh, the origin story of Batman, which I don't think anybody's familiar with. Did you guys know his parents died? Oh, what? Oh, no. You Aren't know, he's dead? Come on, man. Spoilers. Yeah. Uh, Spoilers. My, 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 you know what? They tell it to you in the first. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Uh, so, but it's kind of cool because I'm almost a little bit, and, and I, Darren, I hope, I'm not sure if you're feeling it this way too. I sort of wish that it wasn't a Batman story because it would be really captivating just as kind of like a standalone, like if the oh. character you know, found himself in that. And then it was just kind of, I don't know. It's just been a really, really interesting story. 
Uh, I'm really yeah. digging it. Of course, the fact that it's Batman adds a little bit of familiarity to it, but I think it'd be a good comic, even if it was absent of actually the, the Bruce Wayne storyline. But um, no, it's been really exciting and it's been really entertaining and it's definitely darker than I expected it to be. Uh, uh, but it's really, really well done. And, and like I said, I just, I really dig it a lot. I'm enjoying every, every episode or every issue rather. That's my pick. Ooh, we, it seems like we had some good stuff there. Quickly hit some sayonaras off. Um, Venom. I just, I'm done. I don't, I can't. Johnny Cates is gone. It just isn't as good. Hawkeye Kate Bishop ended and primordial, which was a fun little Jeff Lemire read ended as well. Darren sayonaras. Regarding the matter of Oswald's body, Boom Studios, Christopher Cartwell, Luca Casaluguida, it's over. Maniac New York, The Bronx is Burning, Aftershock, Elliot Kaley, and Andrew Muti, it is over. Gary. My sayonaras, uh, King Grimlock by IDW. Uh, that series is over. It was a limited series. Deep Beyond has finished. Uh, that series is over. And Transformers Wreckers, another IDW, is also over. And as I mentioned, Transformers in general, will be over at the end of this year as IDW is losing the rights. That is my sayonara. Not much to add. Darren already mentioned it. It was in my stick list, but I'm also going to mention it in my sayonara, and that's just going to be the Bronx is Burning. Also, that rebirth of Silver Surfer is only five issues, so that end should be coming up pretty shortly. That's it. Sayonara. All right. Get us all caught up. So, all right. Let's get back to this... uh, Kung Fu martial arts conversation that we've been having for this whole month. Darren, I believe you have something rather uh, giant-sized to talk to us about. Hello. Well, let me Uh, roll up my sleeves because I have a retroactive review for you. I thought you were going to say something giant-sized and uh, that would have been it. The obvious joke (laughs) is to reference which Marvel comic? Wait, Man-Thing? Yeah, exactly. Uh, there have there were in fact other giant sized issues other than the infamous giant sized man thing. Now let's get this out of the way now. Phil, what is the name of the legendary creator of whom we have at length spoken about on this podcast, who was asked specifically by Stan Lee to create a character in the mold of DC's Dark Side, which became Thanos? That creator's name is. Don't you uh, dare type I, any... I didn't type anything. Oh. I was going to make a joke. Am I... I'm going to say the real thing. It's Jim Starlin. Oh Man, I... my gosh! Legitimately, legitimately wanted to make a joke. And then you just started razzing me because I was muted because I didn't want to make noise. Phil? So finally, I will say the right one. Jim Starlin, I do have some knowledge in this brain of mine. Phil. Yes. I'm, I'm proud of you. I've known this the whole time, you jerk. <laughs> I am so proud of you that the seventh time I asked this question, you somehow managed to pull it together. I am curious. What was your joke? I I actually went Spike Spiegel first, which is the main character from <laughs> Cowboy Bebop. And then I almost said Donny Cates, just because he's on my mind. But you just, you cut me off beforehand, so... Hilarious. It's been an ongoing joke that I don't know these things, man. <laughs> well, now that you've actually got it right, I do believe that maybe it was an ongoing joke. Nevertheless, 
Master of Kung Fu was, is a Marvel monthly title published intermittently beginning in 1974. Same as me. The title's lead character, Shang-Chi, has later featured as the title's revamped namesake and various relaunches and guest appearances ever since. The original monthly later renamed The Hands of Shang-Chi enjoyed a healthy run lasting until 1983, propped up mainly by the kung fu movie craze of the 1970s. Shang-Chi has managed to have a consistent presence in Marvel after the title's cancellation, with series revivals as recently as 2020 in advance of Shang-Chi joining the Marvel Cinematic Universe in 2021 with Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. The premise of the comic series. Shang-Chi was raised by his father, Dr. Fu Manchu, trained from birth to become the ultimate assassin. Yeah, these books are loaded with less than palatable stereotypes, including, but not limited to, the yellow coloring to depict, to, to be, to depict Asian skin color and appropriating yellow as a term to refer to many aspects of Asian culture. These terms were not being used by villains in the story, but as a matter of reference to cultural aspects, even featuring as titles to some of the backstories. Hard to take even for those who were not easily offended. Still, many of the readers were only 29 years removed from World War II, and the U.S. involvement in Vietnam was still a year away from concluding when these books were released, meaning that any positive portrayal of an Asian hero was likely difficult to come by, and Shang-Chi is the main protagonist in the book, seen as a morally upright hero living in America. I guess you took what you can get back then. After defeating one of his father's enemies, Shang-Chi uncovers his father's true villainous nature. Betrayed and angered by his father's deception, Shang-Chi vows to operate against Dr. Fu Manchu's interests. For those who have seen the movie, the story elements line up pretty neatly so far, but the character of Katie, Shang-Chi's sidekick through much of the film, appears to be a character created for the movie. Though, admittedly, I cannot verify that a character named Katie doesn't appear in the 183 issues and beyond. As for Dr. Fu Manchu, he was later renamed shang Zhu, but not for any culturally sensitive reasons. Dr. Fu Manchu was a character previously created by English writer Sax Romer for a series of books in the early 20th century. The name of the character was changed to distance from any of the Romer novels, which contained a lot of very negative stereotypes. In Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, the character is called Zhu Wenwu, also referred to as the Mandarin, a global crime lord, for you DCers, think Ra's al Ghul. As with a lot of comic book continuity, the waters can be quite muddy. But allow me to clear up what I can. Dr. Fu Manchu, Sheng Zhu are the same person. Sheng Zhu is Shang Chi's father and his real name. Sheng Zhu's alias is that of Dr. Fu Manchu, which is jettisoned sometime in the early 80s from what I could gather. For all intents and purposes, the movie, the movie version of Zhu Wenwu is Shang Zhu. He is Shang-Chi's father and has considerable character traits in common with his comics counterpart. But Zhu Wenwu is also the Mandarin in the movie, reclaiming his title after it was misappropriated 
used as a smokescreen in Iron Man 3. Or was it 2? It was 3, right? 3. Okay, thanks, Matt. So, anyway, Matt. Oh, 2. What do you think? In the continuity of Marvel Comics are Dr. Fu Manchu, Shang Tzu, and the Mandarin one and the same. You asking me? Uh, yeah. You are Matt. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you hear the Matt part? I apologize. Are they the same? No. No. It, yeah, and it was kind of difficult not to lead you in that direction. You're right. In the comics, the Mandarin is not Shang Tzu, but a completely separate character. The Mandarin in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is Zhu Wenwu, who was created to combine Shang Tzu and the Mandarin, plus connect Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings with earlier MCU chapters. Why they didn't simply go with Shang Tzu is unknown to me, but those movie dudes have proven to be pretty crafty over the years, so who knows. The film version of Shang-Chi differs from the early Marvel comics, as Shang-Chi in the comics appears very much a product of his time and genre. Long red bandana, wide ankle kung fu pants, bare feet, shirtless or wearing a gi. He eventually graduates to more flamboyant attire with a red gi and pants with gold accents. Shang-Chi shares a lot with the 1970 TV series Kung Fu, as he is sometimes wandering the land, other times teaming up with other do-gooders, fighting injustice. The exposition of Shang-Chi in The Legend of Ten Rings sees Shang-Chi working as a parking valet in San Francisco, spending many of his nights partying and singing karaoke. Yeah, I, <laughs> I know what it sounds like. Listen, the movie's wonderful. I think we all saw it and pretty much agree. It was really hard to write an accurate summary without it making it sound like a 90s direct-to-video production, the kind that kind of contributed to almost killing off Marvel completely in the first place. Karaoke, everybody. Martial arts staple. There are a number of other differences from the source material, but it's hard to imagine even the most staunch traditionalist being completely turned off by the MCU entry. There's more than enough of the foundation of those early comics present in the movie to sustain anyone who absorbed the richness of Far East tradition. At least the closest facsimile that we were likely to get our hands on as comic book readers in the 70s and those back issues I read in the 80s. So how about those comics? I recall coming across bunches of them as kids. Issues likely cast aside and sold in bulk at garage sales. Non-sequential story capsules that I devoured anyway. I drew on them, cut out images to make my own comics, and learn how to draw from so many comics that I found at garage sales back then. Part of me wishes that I knew exactly what issues I had. And another part of me is glad to know not which ones I had, because what if a Marvel Special 15 were in there? Or an early version of early uh, issues of Spider-Man, X-Men, Batman, or Superman? Heartbreaking to me now, right? Now, what I read for this episode were Marvel Giant-Sized Master of Kung Fu, numbers 1, 2, and 3. Issue number 1 is a great jumping-on point, as Shang-Chi is inner-monologuing his way through the issue, recollecting many of the aspects of his life while being pursued by agents of his father. There are five stories, three of which are typical Shang-Chi fare, dodging agents of Dr. Fu Manchu. A fourth, called Shaolin Temple Boxing, isn't much of a story as it is a how-to on the ways in which Shaolin Temple Boxing evolved 
featuring Shang-Chi and Iron Iron Fist pictographically demonstrating. The issue also contains an old Marvel War comic intended to provide some context and features the original Dr. Fu Manchu in Comic 4 in The Coming of the Yellow Claw. Giant Size issue number 2 proclaims an all-new death trap for Shang-Chi. Martial arts mayhem. Mighty Marvel magic. It's pretty much as the series was. Shang-Chi questing to bring about the demise of his father. Giant Size issue number 3 was more of the same and did feature another entry from the Yellow Claw. While products of their times, they're a fun read, if not somewhat off-putting, as I detailed moments ago. The story is timeless and relatable, easy to read, and unburdened by larger events normally reserved for higher-profile Marvel characters. As Phil so eloquently told us, Shang-Chi was created by Jim Starlin. There's a callback for you. And Steve Englehart. For more on Jim Starlin, check out the Panel Scanners episode 125 and my retroactive review of Dreadstar. Phil! Yes? Steve Englehart is a name we've come across many times. He has had a prolific career at Marvel, DC, and beyond scripting works for the Avengers and the JLA, Green Lantern, and Doctor Strange. Along with artist Steve Gann, he is credited with creating which Marvel character whose profile grew exponentially after his MCU debut? Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Uh, let's go with... We said he. So... Mandarin. No. I'm afraid that is incorrect. Anyone else want to take a stab at it? Do I take two? Take two. Star-Lord? You got it! Peter Quill, Star-Lord, was created by Steve Englehart. Gary, I got another can, one for you. Can I get you. a chance to go, actually? Can I, can I go? Uh, sure. Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to also get a Star-Lord. You are right! right. <laughs> okay, good. Just want to make sure. Yo, showing up the Marvel guy, guys. Matt won, Gary won. All right, Gary, all right, Gary, I got another one for you. This is a tough one. The giant-sized comics I read were scripted by Doug Monch. Anyone know how to pronounce that? I've heard it a million different ways. And drawn by Paul Galassi, Giuseppe Casey, Thomas O'Malley, O'Malley the other cat. Doug Monch had a significant run with, and is most known for his time on Batman, alongside artist Don Perlin. Doug Monch is the creator of which Marvel character who just recently joined the MCU? Gary? Who do you think it is? Just recently joined MCU? Yeah. So that would have to be movie, not necessarily TV. Why is that? Well, it's cinematic. Don't give it. Well, I guess you're right. But no. Uh, Moon Knight would have been my next. That's correct. Very good, Gary. Now, Gary, out of just left field, would you happen to know what series Moon Knight debuted in? I know probably no one does. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> yeah? What what series would that be? That would be Werewolf by Night. You're right! Oh, Gary. Wow, Gary, you were just killing it tonight, man. Good job. That's kind of common knowledge. Like, everyone knows that, though, right? Yeah, right? Like, everyone. Like, no one would. Anyway. Paul Galassi worked for Marvel, DC, Valiant Eclipse, and, and on other characters ranging from Batman to Vampirella. Don't look that one up, kitties. 
As near as I can tell, he was active as recently as 2016, illustrating something called the Rook. Now, one would have to admit that even with the unparalleled success of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, probably wasn't a good idea to go ahead and put bank on characters like Shang-Chi um, getting their own feature film. When Iron Fist was first announced, I was hopeful that we would get an appearance by Shang-Chi through the Iron Fist TV series. When Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings was announced, I think Phil will attest, on this podcast, well, my flabber was sufficiently gasted. Um, the announcement itself signified a, pause for a severely overused phrase, a bold new direction for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The success of the MCU had paved the way for some fan favorite, or as I like to call them, deep dive characters. Some similar to Shang-Chi, who had lay relatively dormant for comics for many years. Moon Knight, The Eternals. The movie is as enjoyable as they come as some of the best in the MCU, which is to say most of them. I loved, loved Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings, and so much that I'm willing to state that it is my favorite of all the MCU movies, surpassing my previous favorite Ant-Man. While the movie itself could only be considered a modest box office success by Marvel standards, keep in mind it arrived in theaters just as another wave of COVIDness was sweeping the nation. Additionally, expecting the lofty heights of anything called anything called Avengers or Spider-Man would have been foolish. It's not going to reach that heights. It was also a risky move because it represents the MCU entry, I believe, has the least connection to any of the other previous MCU movies. However, it is clear that Shang-Chi is being positioned as one of the new starting five, let's call them. Would you guys agree? Uh, according to the end of that film, yes. Intended perhaps to replace Iron Man, Captain America, Black Widow, or Hulk to some degree, recognizing, of course, that in superhero dumb, no one is truly ever gone. Now, this is where I find the one lone issue I have. It's that I almost wish, similar to what Matt was seeing earlier about Batman the Night, I kind of wish Shang-Chi wasn't burdened with the responsibility of helping advance the through line of the current phase of the MCU. If there are any characters that should be free of those binds, I kind of feel like it should be Shang-Chi. He can stand on his own and have a series of movies based on only his exploits. Though, Zhu Wenwu does, does look like a bit of a long shot to return. While Shang-Chi is likely a derivative of Kwai Chang Kane of the Kung Fu TV series that preceded it by just a year or so, it is exactly what comic readers were looking for to supplement their Saturdays, which were spent at movie houses watching martial arts matinees. I'm glad to see... Shang-Chi take his rightful place in the upper echelon of those who have received their own big screen treatment. I just hope he is allowed to carve his own path in the MCU going forward. Iron Man worked best when paired with other members of the Avengers or Spidey. Same goes for all the rest of the Avengers. They worked best when they're opposite of each other. That's why their solo efforts are less well received. Shang-Chi does not need anyone from the MCU to carry him forward. Well, I, I, it seems that you have not changed your opinion about Shang-Chi then. Uh, what was Which my was opinion? What? Yeah. 
I mean, the fact that you're just generally pumped about him in general, it seems that you are still kind of, even though it oh, has some, yeah. like, weirdness in it, it definitely did not let you down. No, no. I mean, listen, these big screen adaptations, you learned a long time ago that you have to accept some level of change because comic books and movies are totally different. Right. Um, it's when things get completely out of whack that you're starting to stray too far from the source material and it's almost unrecognizable when people get mad. Plus, like I was saying, I Shang-Chi is, of course, burdened with having to be one of the top starting five now, which is going to prevent Marvel from really exploring the real depth of Shang-Chi's character. But let's be honest, when you're talking about these things, if you really wanted to do that, then the movies is not the place to do it. It's a, it's a Disney Plus TV show or something like that. Um, like right. Moon Knight, you're going to want to have multi-chapters and, you know, multiple seasons. So, I, you know, when you know that going in, you can't see Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings as anything other than just an absolute blast. I was right. glad that the involvement of any other um, Marvel headliner uh, was non-existent. Um, so, and... That, to me, let's be honest, Spider-Man Homecoming, I liked it, but then you go on to Spider-Man Far From Home, which I didn't like because it was Iron Man 4. And to me, that's something that you, you, have a, you, you run the risk of losing the character. Um, and I think that if you had done that with Shang-Chi, which is, like I said, he's not a character that the average Marvel Cinematic Universe person going in has any idea who it is. I mean, they were able to make that movie because of the billion dollars they'd already made, and they had built up a level of trust with their fan base, basically saying, listen, you may not know who Shang-Chi is, don't worry. You don't know what you want. We're going to tell you what you want. And you're, you're going to go, you're right, that's what I wanted. Thank you. But I mean... See, I, I, I... I thought yeah. Shang-Chi got the same kind of character introduction that that Iron Man did, which then turned into solo films coming out of that. You know, a lot of the other characters, well, I guess Captain Marvel sort of an exception. She got her own standalone. But like a lot of the other, you know, whatever phase this happens to be are all either ensemble movies or Disney Plus series or, I don't know, I, I guess I kind of assumed that the level of character introduction sort of matched that of Iron Man. Not saying that he's going to be the new lead, but that he was going to have a bigger role than just like a Hawkeye or Black Widow or something. Well, I mean, I'll, a... counter, I'll counter that the that the current leads for the most part have had their own like standalones. I mean, like you said, Captain Marvel. Um, I mean, technically, Black Panther was going to be one of the other ones, but I think we're going to get more of a Shuri run there, um, which I think Black Panther Two is turning into. Um, but like your Doctor Strange, who is basically one of our starters now, did have their individual film, but we're getting more of those large ones because it's even like Captain America got one film and then it became like an Avengers movie. So I think they all get one. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, but going forward now, the real one of the reasons I liked it is because in Iron Man, the very first Iron Man, he was unburdened by the Marvel Cinematic Universe because he was the first was one. Now. I mean, he was, he was, he was kicking it off and then obviously they, you know, you could, you can put 
and the list of reasons why maybe two and three don't work, why maybe a, a Thor two, which is the only one I haven't seen, doesn't Good. work, which is don't bother. Some of the other yeah. subsequent uh, solo entries don't work is because they have to focus on so much going on. But when they all come back together, that's where you want them, right? So, I mean, that's why I'm saying I'm really interested to see where they go because we're talking now who who is the who are the starting five. Phil, let me ask you. You're the Marvel guy, in spite of the fact that you couldn't figure. Never mind. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go there. And all and all again. Always a joke. Always a joke. Yeah. But um, let me ask you. Know. Who are the starting five as it stands right now? I don't even know if they have a full five because Spider-Man's future is obviously. I I mean you have to see No Way Home to kind of get there maybe doctor strange depending on how multiverse plays out um i think shuri is really going to fill in for black panther captain marvel of course so we don't know about shuri so if we're saying right now no like i don't think they have a full five so shang chi shang chi doctor strange captain marvel what about ant-man is he still around yeah scott lang somewhere Doing something. He's got well, a movie. Be Thor is still around too, but he's gonna be more of a Guardians of the Galaxy character now. I mean, no, but it's not things like the new Thor movie is gonna be more about Jane Foster being Thor than him being Thor. Isn't it, that, Matt? What do you th- Matt? Jump in here. What do you think? No, I mean, I, I I'm gonna kind of defer to you guys for a lot of these things, but if we're just watching what the films are doing right now, it seems to me like. Kind of similar to what Gary was pointing out about Iron Man kind of sowing the seeds and then you get your, you know, Captain America versus Avenger and then you get, you know, kind of all the other characters introduced till we finally get to see them. Uh, what, when was that? 2011, 2012? Was that the original yeah. uh, Avengers movie? 2012. So I think that's what, I mean, but there was, what, four years between Iron Man 1 and the Avengers? So I think you're probably kind of setting the, the tone for what's going to be coming up. Um, I also think it's a, it's a dangerous thing too, right? Like thinking that we're just going to get another Avengers film. Because <clears throat> I don't, I don't know if that's the direction they're headed. More so than these I over- can't films. see how that would be. Midnight Suns. Anyway, <laughs> so I, I think what we're I think what we're seeing now with what's going on, and I think Marvel recognizes this, Disney recognizes this, the age of the superhero movie as the box office king is or has coming to the close that doesn't mean it's going to end up being like martial arts movies in the 70s and then shortly into the 80s they're out of style and no one's making them westerns going into the 70s after dominating the 60s out of style and no one's making them i think what we're seeing is shang chi paled in comparison to the box office and it would have i think if even without the covidness but it's still a tremendous success Right, I think you're going to be able to see the superhero movie continue, specifically the Marvel movies, should be able to continue for the foreseeable future. But if they're thinking that it's going to be the billions of dollars that the Avengers created, no, that's not going to happen. Um, But but you'll see them on TV. They're still going to be in the movie theaters. They're still going to be successful, and they'll still be great. But I mean, like the newest Spider-Man movie did gangbusters. But that's Spider-Man, Phil. But still, like not Shang-Chi. But, but, like, Doctor Strange is going to do the same. And Doctor Strange was not as well-known as Spider-Man simply because they're getting to the point that each one of these movies are becoming these ensemble so you movies. Think... Especially with after how surprisingly good 
um, that uh, uh, WandaVision was. And we know Scarlet Witch is going to play a big role in that film, too. And they're saying that there's going to be the most superheroes that have been in any of these movies. It's pulling people in still. So I, I counter that. I don't think we've quite hit that that top tier yet are we are we starting to see the 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 downfall i i think so but i mean even look at that personal opinion that mediocre batman film that just came out that did so incredibly well because it was slightly more batman than the, what's been coming out I, I think we're still seeing a lot of it did it really do that well i mean i know it's made a ton of money but it fell off big time like it like if i mean you would think that batman and would do Spider-Man money. But coupled with the fact that DC, like, for whatever reason, just can't get out of their own way. And I I suspect that the general combo, they're a little bit done with the extremely dark Batman, right? But, I, but and to, to your point, do you think Doctor Strange will do Spider-Man money? I do. I do simply because of how big of a role Doctor Strange played in Spider-Man. They're doing a really smart thing with the larger films like that by tying someone in. The next Shang-Chi will actually do better because Wong popped in, meaning that he's going to be connected to Doctor Strange. And I guarantee you Shang-Chi is going to be in this new Doctor Strange movie. So like, like the, they're just connecting them all so well that it's getting to the point that people are like, I need to see them all anyway. And I think that's why they're doing as well. But you, just, but you also just said that the downfall is coming. Why do you feel I that think, way? I think I think just because it's again the oversaturation, but I, the downfall itself may not be the downfall of like necessarily like Marvel movies, but like the endless attempt at competition. Because again, DC keeps like trying to do these like pacing issue dark movies because they're trying to counter this, and they don't know how to make a fun comic book movie. That's, That's sure. their problem. You're right they about that. Do you know the most fun comic book movie they made was Shazam? Sure, Aquaman. I'll, I'll believe that. I didn't see. I didn't see Aquaman. I had zero. Yeah, it's fun. It, it doesn't happen. I've said it before on the podcast, but it doesn't happen if Thor Ragnarok doesn't uh, set that tone. To me, it's, it's DC's answer to Thor Ragnarok. But yeah, and the only reason I saw the original Wonder Woman is because Darren and Tim wouldn't shut up about it, so I finally <laughs> good, saw it. Yeah, but that was. I mean, and then I, and then I quickly watched the sequel and wanted to jump off a bridge. So I mean, it's yeah. Hey, they, that's they the don't, that... But that's the Marvel way. <laughs> I mean, Wonder you Woman was like a Mar- Wonder Woman was like a Marvel movie, and in fact, it, it felt was. like. And then the second one, you're like, like Thor. You're like, oh, well, that sucked. Yeah, I mean. But I mean, that's the thing. Like looking at the more modern, I think I think the MCU figured out the modern comic book movies simply because they aren't taking themselves too seriously, and as long as they keep looking at them as fun action comedy films which is what they are right like they're not serious comic book movies the super like the closest thing to a serious comic book movie was probably the eternals which was was a fine movie but didn't do as well because it was slower and it was more lore based and nobody knew who they were exactly but nobody knew really nobody knew who the guardians of the galaxy was but that was a damn fun movie right but they also introduced like what three characters in that film so we're pretty much arguing the exact same point. Is what Star I Fox, Black Knight, and I guess Blade, I, in, in theory. But I just... Wait, which which movie are you talking about? Eternals. Oh, yeah. Um, 
I mean, I think I think we are, Darren, but I think you think it's more imminent than where I think it is. You said the downfall is coming. I said it's going to be sustainable. I mean, it, it's going to be sustainable as long as they continue this trend of what they're putting out. I do think Which that the idea of the, I, the the big overall like Avengers movie is is not coming anytime soon. Also what I said. We're arguing the exact same position. I'm arguing agreeing with you, Darren. <laughs> so as, as long as they can maintain a, you know, an ongoing story where you're going to want to see each movie to fill in, you know, what's happening next. I mean, it, it I, I don't know if the individual standalones are really going to cut it. Unless they all of a sudden say, high. like, this is going to be the gritty, realistic Marvel movie. You're like, and it's over. There it is. We're out. The, they're, they're circling the drain, everybody. And they're doing the exact opposite by making these beautiful little Disney Plus shows to tie in with with these movies. Like even the worst of those Disney Plus shows, uh, <coughs> Falcon Winter Soldier. Um, the worst of them are still watchable. Like they're not terrible. The and tone they, is consistent now. There's a Marvel tone to everything. And it's part, but you could argue it's kind of been there the whole time if you say Iron Man is the first one, right? I mean, uh, but to me, like, there's a there's a tone, like, there's a, there's a wink and a nod towards the camera without breaking down that fourth wall that they've really, really mastered. And I feel like that's kind of what makes things a little bit more enjoyable. It's like, everybody, like, I, I feel like DC is trying to convince somebody, like, no, this is real life. Like this is this is what it would. This is real life, and it's like no, it's not. Like you've got a guy in a cape and you got a guy in a bat suit. Like let's like let's have fun with this shit. Right. Sorry. Did any, did anybody else see the new Batman movie other than me? No, no, I haven't. Don't no. say anything, Phil. Can I ask one question? Is yeah, there no. a single joke in that movie? Oh, like something that I actually laughed at, or yeah. a joke? Like anything that's remotely humorous. They tried. Okay. Oh God. Uh, Honestly, Darren, it feels like it feels like two movies that are weirdly paced together. It's a, detect- it's a detective film that turns into an action movie. I will tell you, the only person I know that loved it was our old co-host Tim. Everyone he else I it. heard, he loved it. Everyone else I've heard is the best I've heard is what you were saying, which is sort of lukewarm at best. It's fine. It's not bad, but it's not good. Paul Dano is amazing. But other than that, nothing really screams. Like, I like that Riddler. I think the Riddler was good. But All right. I, I heard 80% Batman, 10% Seven, 10% Saw was kind of their review of it. It's, it has pacing issues. That movie had no business being three hours long. <laughs> That's right. Oh, and... Man. You know what? Honestly, neither does this podcast. So <laughs> let's wrap it up. So, all right, everybody, that was That's that was like great. The night. Right. I, I was not expecting that uh, that actually really solid conversation. Maybe at some point we just need to do an episode where we really beat into these movies and have our opinions spoken beyond this. Uh, but that's not what's happening next month. Next month we are tentatively going to be doing a live free comic book day darren is going to not be with us sadly uh so that'll just be gary matt and myself 
Um, and then a little later in the month, we'll do a little bit more jazz, as we always do. Uh, remember, until then, you can always follow us on Instagram at, at Panel Scanners. And until next month, enjoy your comics.